from the Stereo Sound Record Studios, this is the Mosh Pit Podcast. Here is the host, Wes Everett, bringing you the best in new alternative rock and roll.
Nolo, drive-by. Welcome to the Mosh Pit. I'm your host, Wes Everett. I'm here with my guest, Mr. Martin, Mr. G. Edward Martin. Greg, how you been, man? Good. How are you, Wes? I'm good. So give us a little introduction about who you are, what you do. We know you're an author. You've got a lot of books. Um, give us a little insight into those. Um, I guess I would consider myself kind of wet cement. Like I, I'm not really sure how I define it. I love writing books, um, but I'm just kind of a artistic kind of guy. I love music, love writing, um, any project that kind of calls me. So yeah, American author based out of Nashville. And we're here. Uh, you were nice enough to check out one of my books. You seem to enjoy it, invited me on and uh, happy to be here. Very cool, man. And I appreciate you being here. I did enjoy the book. Um, for those in question, that was the Mighty Esox. Yep. Which, Most recent uh, novel. Really good, really good characters, good story arcs. Um I'm I'm a huge Stephen King fan. So number okay. one, I compare a lot of the supernatural kind of stuff to that. Right. And it holds up. I'm just gonna say. Well, I appreciate that because he is the master. So to even try to consider myself in that league. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, he's definitely an inspiration for, like he is the best at those genres. And somehow every year he's got a new one and just <laughs> oh, I 30, know. 40 years deep. I know. And I've probably read everything he's done at least twice. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I understand that for sure. He, uh, there's a reason he's, he's definitely earned all the, all the accolades and fame and everything. He is, definitely. he is the best. Definitely. Well, this interview isn't about him. It's about you. Let's get back to you. <laughs> um, so how did you get the writing bug? I mean, have you, are you based out of Nashville? Have you lived in Nashville your whole life? No, I came down here about three years ago from the Chicago area. Um, okay. The writing thing, you know, it's been kind of on the back burner for the last 10 years. Um, I had this idea. It's kind of a weird story how it came about, but it was one of those, one of those dreams that, you know, you kind of hold on to, but you know, you don't spend the time on it for whatever reason, whether that's, you know, you're afraid of it might not go the way you want or, you know, you make excuses that you're too busy. And we all have those things. And actually, interestingly, you know, since I've started writing and published some work, you know, every time I encounter someone, like it seems like almost everyone has some story that they know is worth telling. And they always meant to like write a book, try to get it in front of people. And they just never have, you know. So I think there's a lot of people who feel that way. I just think I'm one of the one of the few people to actually give it a try and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Um, now, when you're writing, I've I've read a lot of the um, like the how to's, the the in depth writing skills. Mm -hmm. I tried to pick it up at one point, and I just I've got some decent stuff, but nothing I ever want to put out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, I just they always say to just. Like if you're ever at a writer's block, you just write until something starts coming out. Do you use that at all? Or do you just kind of wait until you have that idea? You know, it's different stories are a different way. Like there was like the Mighty Esox, for example, um, came from a dream I had in 2017. And then I didn't sit down to write the book until through 2022. And it was almost like I had this feeling that I didn't know enough. I didn't understand the book. You know, I knew what was happening, but not why. So it's like I wasn't ready but then other stories, you know, I start them because I know how they start and I have no idea how they end. Mm -hmm. And you just keep rolling. And then the ideas is kind of this old, you know, adage that like go as far ahead as you can see. And then when you get there, you'll be able to see further. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. stories have gone, you know, both ways. But, um, 
you know, I think if you have the intro to a story, you know, just sit down and get it started and go as far ahead as you can. And things will make more sense as you get further along. And I think that's one of people's hangups too. So, you know, a piece of advice is just get that start, you know, if you have it. Oh yeah. And a lot of times your characters, I mean, they'll basically, I don't want to say they'll, they'll take you where they need to go, but they'll Mm -hmm. through that development. Yeah. It's interesting. The characters almost have a life of their own Mm -hmm. um, in some way. And, you know, like I think good writing is making these characters real where like, they have a history and a story and they would react a certain way. And I actually saw a tip earlier that was interesting. Uh, just one of these social media things, this one author, and I feel bad. I don't remember their name, but she would journal on behalf of some of the characters she was creating That's just cool. to like understand their psychology. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. They're like, Oh, I'm going to definitely use that next time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's cool. That's a really yeah. cool idea. Um, now, have you ever started any book from like the end, like, you know, where it goes, but you mm-hmm. got to find that path to get there. Yes and no. Actually, the Mighty Esox is a good example. Like uh, the the dream I had in 2017 was basically, and it, it was a weird dream just for no reason, had no context. But I was essentially tr- trying. I was obsessed with trying to catch this giant musky fish, and mm-hmm. I was like so determined to get there that I didn't care how I got there, and I was tricked into this method by this like kind of like which kind of character like she was wearing all black and she was like half drunk and she seemed like harmless because she was such a mess but it turns out she was kind of playing me and Mm -hmm. tricked me into catching this fish and then i accidentally killed it and then realized that like the thing i killed wasn't really a fish it was more like a almost like supernatural semi-angelic you know symbolic kind of thing and then i just had this immediate regret that like i was so blind in my determination that I, i didn't really see what I was doing. So like the mighty Esox, like I, I understood that the story, you know, and this is a spoiler, but that I eventually kill the fish only to realize that like, there's so much I'd missed along the way. And I think the reason I held on to it for five years is because I did not know how it starts. Like, I was like, who is this character who has this determination? Like, why is he so obsessed with this? Why is he so blind to what's going on? Why is he so laser focused that he literally misses everything going around him because he's so kind of just dialed in with his tunnel vision so that that's yeah for sure an example of that that's really cool man i I love hearing how stories come together i mean being a podcaster that interviews musicians it's Mm -hmm. it's even it's kind of along the same lines you know Mm -hmm. where'd you get the inspiration from that applies to both and just hearing how songs come together how books come together right i find it really interesting dying oath end of days
I agree with that. You know, when it comes to, so my wife is a musician. She's a classically trained singer, um, mostly opera, but she was in a country band for a while. Oh, wow. So sometimes I'll really connect with a song, but then, you know, I look up who wrote it and it's like the the person who's famous for the song is not the one who created it. And the person I really want to talk to is the one who wrote the song and like what were their experience, uh, mm. experiences. So like I have that where like, I'm so interested in music, but like who I really want to talk to are the the song writers more than just kind of the front man or like i want to know how it came together you know yeah exactly it's kind of like not wanting to interview the guy who read the audio book but the guy who actually wrote it right like who who wrote the movie not who starred in it acting like i don't you Mm. know what i mean Mm -hmm, exactly fundamental difference yeah exactly so um so what have you got on the horizon you said you're kind of at a standstill right now just kind of taking things easy little break yeah, I, you know, life gets so busy and uh, throughout this process and kind of like the Mighty Socks, I've been so focused on trying to find success with the books that I forgot to to fall in love with being a reader. And that's where it all starts. Like you read some old, like I think for me, one of them, you know, was like uh, The Old Man in the Sea by Hemingway, like something about that book. I mean, there's an endless amount of times I can read it or like Call the Wild by Jack London. And somewhere along the way, I like forgot to just like love being a reader and like for every one book I write, I should probably read a hundred. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to sit down, you know, get a morning routine, you know, get up, take a walk, do something healthy, sit down, read for an hour before I like got to go to work. Um, that's a big one. Another thing is, you know, I do all my own illustrations for my books and uh, the books always like come out way too long. So I've had to like print them in black and white. And, you know, I like took the time on these paintings that I think are like beautiful and colorful and then I have to show them in black and white. So I'm working on a coffee table book, kind of combining, you know, everything I've made artistically with best quotes, passages, dialogue from my other books to like just kind of make this philosophical, compelling, beautiful, colorful kind of, you know, mm-hmm. something that can sit on the table that, you know, would have an appeal to like men and women kind of thing, not just a decorative prop or conversation piece on someone's coffee table kind of thing. Absolutely. Cause I was going to mention the artwork. I was going to ask about that if that was your work or somebody else's because the detail and the way that it meshes into the story mm-hmm. is really awesome. I appreciate that. I'm actually, you know, the mighty East Sox, I think is the book I'm most proud of, of what I've made so far. But one of these things is, you know, as we talked about, I understood how the story ends, mm-hmm. but not how it starts. And part of my process was actually doing all of the illustrations first. Like there were these like symbolic ideas that like I couldn't quite articulate because I didn't understand them. So like some of these paintings about, you know, even there's one, there's a woman wearing a red hood who's got one eye that's entirely black and one that's entirely white. Mm -hmm. That came from like a dream I had when I was like working on quitting smoking. I just like 
was looking at this like black blankness and then this like woman stepped forward with these eyes just smiled at me and then stepped back kind of thing and i was like i gotta paint this but that process of making the illustrations actually helped me to like understand the story and the characters and like really the the metaphor that i'm trying to like convey through this whole thing Mm -hmm. that makes sense and that's what i'm doing now while i'm talking to you i'm looking through some of the pictures and mm-hmm. I just scrolled across the one you're talking about and it just the detail, the depth, because my girl, she's a um, she's an artist. Her actually her nice. gallery is right above my studio. Oh, no kidding. So we kind of combine both sets, right. you know, all kind of art. Yeah. And I think art inspires art. So like, you know, put them together. Yeah. yeah like you might, Absolutely. you know, yeah, you might get inspired by her stuff. She might get inspired by your stuff. And even though they're different genres and techniques entirely, but. You know, mm-hmm. art is art, right? And human beings have this compulsion to make art. And I don't really understand why. And I don't understand why people love it. But I mean, it enriches our lives in such a powerful way. Like we've been doing it forever. I mean, before we had real language and society, we had cave paintings. Like people, mm-hmm. that's how we articulated ourselves. And for some reason, there's people who are absolutely compelled to make it. And then there are people who are absolutely drawn to it. And yeah. like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like I have these paintings hanging up and I can't eat them. And they won't keep me warm at night and they won't keep a roof over my head. But somehow, like if this place was on fire, I would like risk my own safety to get them out of here, even though they Mm -hmm. they don't do anything obvious for me. But there's there's something about art that's like this religious, spiritual kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's soothing. It's, you know, you can because my girl, she does like these art journals where when Mm. she has a bad day at work, a good day at work she's never been one to keep a journal. So she started just doing art and doing colors and pictures and those kind of symbolize how she felt that day. That's brilliant. So that's, you know, know, because sometimes we can't, can't put these things in words exactly. The words fall short, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, but that expression, you know, and I think that's maybe why people invented music is like, there's some things that are best described, even like dance. I mean, there's some things that are best described by a movement or a sound mm-hmm. and like a word can't really capture it. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people relate to that. And I think that's you know why we love it. But that's actually a brilliant idea to, to journal in terms of images, because some people think more in images than words, you know, like my yeah. inner dialogue is more word based kind of thing and less visualization. But um, about half of people seem to be the opposite way. So that's great method for her for sure it is and you know when you when you come down i'll give you the tour so i think you'll enjoy that honestly (laughs) i'd love Uh, to see all that yeah yeah definitely uh you just tell me when (laughs) no for sure what does she uh what does she like to is it kind of abstract does she draw like portraits or landscapes animals yes (laughs) all of it (laughs) pretty much (laughs) whatever she's Um, feeling yeah yeah she does um She'll sit down, she'll do a landscape here. She'll draw an animal. Her favorite mm-hmm. are owls oh, and like the owl in your book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. And just, it's, it's awesome. You know, I'm, and I'm, I'm lucky to have her, her creative side because she's helped a lot with this podcast too. Right. So. For sure. I can imagine. That's very cool. Something about the owls speaks to people. Um, mm-hmm. That's been, yeah, there, I have, for some reason I draw a lot of owls and they're just, there's something about them, you know, but I mean, there's so much owl art, like on the internet, like people are just drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Saved by Scarlet, Lie of the Pharisees. I hear the lie of the Pharisees. 
are. They absolutely are. Now, as far as your favorite artists, who mm. are, well, let's call it authors because we don't want to get this all confused. <laughs> right. Um, who are your top three that you could read pretty much every day? You know, I love Hemingway. Um, mm. I think, and if I could spend a moment on Hemingway, you know, there there's a simplicity in his writing, which I appreciate. Like, I, I love reading stuff from the 1800s, like, um some old like charles dickens kind of stuff or like some of these old you know freemason type characters like albert pike and even like the federalist papers you know late 1700s i mean their use of english is just like the greatest i mean the way they put sentences together they're poetic they're beautiful they're so exact um that it's almost like hard to read because they are so precise that i mean you're consulting a dictionary just reading them and you know you have to go through it i mean they're three four line long sentences but Hemingway broke all those rules and it's like chop it down to everything that needs to be said and nothing else. And I, I think that connects with readers from all ages or all different backgrounds, or even if, you know, English is in your first language, you can yeah. read Hemingway, know exactly what he meant. But the thing about him, I always write books because I think I have the answer to some question. I think Hemingway had some humility to be like, I don't have the answers to anything. And they always leave you unsettled because it's like you have these tragic characters who are fighting hard, but they don't always know why. And the problem's never really solved, but they just keep going, even though, um, you know, there really is no good reason to. Mm. And I think that was maybe an honest look at his own personal psychology. But I think that's more relatable to people than the the happy ending, you know, happily ever after kind of stuff that we all wish for. But like life is a lot more gray than that. Mm -hmm. um, but I love some Jack London. I mean, looking up my own shelf, I have really eclectic mix from like the hot zone about Ebola to some old Shakespeare to religious texts like the Tao Te Ching and um, Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, I read a, a lot of different stuff and a lot of it isn't fiction, but like I love some like J.R.R. Tolkien. Lord of the Rings is just, I mean, one of the greatest of all time. I love some mm -hmm. old Orwell. I love those dystopian um, Fahrenheit 451, Animal Farm, um, yeah. Brave New World. I mean, those are, I mean, some of my absolute favorites that I could just read over and over. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. You you definitely hit the nail on the head because <laughs> pretty much all those. Um, now, do you find when you read those, do any of those influence your writing style or your your inner narrative? You know, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, I'm absolutely sure that they do. I don't think I ever set out to like mirror any kind of other author. Like, Oh, I'm going to write this in a Hemingway style. Some of my actual like stories maybe are like an homage to a certain author. Um, but I think everything you read and all the conversations you have with people do influence you. Like whether you know it or not, like the way that you construct a sentence, the way that you put a thought together in your own head is going to be influenced by like other thoughts that you've heard along the way and like the way people have put those together for themselves. So I'm sure like, you know, there has been a strong influence from a Hemingway, but then also, you know, I catch myself with these paragraph long sentences that I'm like, Oh, that kind of looks a little more like the Federalist papers or something like that. looks like some 1800s, you know, mm -hmm. Charles Dickens kind of writing. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's awesome, man. Dude, I, I love people that are passionate about their work. So I'm really enjoying, mm -hmm. you know, picking your brain on this. Um, did you ever read the, back to Stephen King, of course, uh, his own writing, the biography? 
No, I haven't. Um, I've heard stuff about it. Like, I'm not sure if this was in there, but I've heard that like while he was writing Cujo, he like doesn't remember any of it because he was like yeah. drinking and doing a lot of crazy stuff and doesn't remember it. And was, but uh, yeah. I actually that's the kind of thing I should do. Like, uh, investigate some of the lives of these people. Like, what sort of circumstances or psychology leads to this like mm-hmm. level of greatness in this craft? Um, something I've been like meaning to explore, but it also like it's one of those things where like I went I was in Key West a month ago and I did go to Hemingway's house. Um, but like walking around Hemingway's house, you know, I had these mixed feelings. Like one was like, well, Hemingway would never visit some other author's house just to like, you know what I mean? Like Hemingway yeah. wouldn't do that. And then it was also like, you feel this, like, I should be working on this right now. Like I should be sitting there writing right now instead of like, just like walking around here thinking about, um, so like, I'm almost intimidated to like read about like Stephen King's life and process. Cause it, it almost feels like it's like pointed back at me that like, uh, I should be like getting after it. Like instead of taking the time to do this, I should really just be working on the craft kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I feel that, but at yeah. the same time, if you don't have that downtime, you know, mm-hmm. that, that rest, that break, you know, you yeah. might get burnout. And, and I think, let's hear, what was it? King said, he's like, you know, writing is not like um, riding a bicycle. It's not one of those things where you pick it up as soon as you pick up your pen. It right. takes a few minutes to get back into it. And if you don't, mm. if you don't hone that craft, you have a chance of losing it. Yeah. And I think, I think every author fears the day the well will run dry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is like a real thing. I mean, like some days you're more creative than others. And it's, it's a weird thing. Like authors are a bunch who, typically make a ton of excuses to not do it. Like a lot of people will define themselves as an author, even though they're not sitting down to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people will say things like, oh, you cannot push the creative process. And I'm sure musicians feel this all the time that like, hey, I'm looking for inspiration. And like, I need to go out in the world or like go to a crazy party or do this, you know, travel. I'll get the ideas. They'll come to me. But you also need to like make time for it every day. And that's the only way it works. And, mm-hmm. you know, in modern life, I mean, like, you know, one job doesn't even cut it. I mean, you got multiple jobs, you've got family, you got friends, you got responsibilities. So like, you know, my writing process, I'll get up an hour early because that's when the phone is quiet. That's when like the email's quiet. Like my wife is still asleep and I'll like spend an hour and those first few minutes are garbage. I'm like half asleep waiting for the coffee to do something. You know, I like can barely see it's dark. I'm staring at the screen squinting, but like that's the time when, and if you don't make that time, you know, the ideas might come, but you're in your car and you're in no position to write. You're out in the world. You're like, you know, you can't put the idea down on paper. So it's like balancing this forcing the creativity while also giving it space to kind of like let it work the way it works kind of deal. Absolutely. That's always a weird ongoing balance for sure. Whiskey Kate Hotter.
Yeah, I get that. Now, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night, go to scribble something down that you've, you know, come to you in whatever dream, and then you wake up in the morning, you look at it, and you go, what? It's all gibberish, man. Any <laughs> notes I put in my phone, and, like, you take the fact that the idea is gibberish, and then I'm half asleep, and then you take the typos, and it's just, like, nonsense, man. <laughs> I don't think anything's ever come to that, but it, I seem to, I get a lot of inspiration from dreams. I mean, I don't remember them very often, but it feels like the ones I do remember, are like what you are supposed to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like a lot of that's kind of this weird idea of like, where do ideas really come from kind of thing? And I don't really know, because like if I have a dream and some novel idea comes to me, I don't even know if it's my idea. Like, I do not know where it came from. I didn't mean to come up with it. It just mm-hmm. happened to kind of appear to me. And then it's like you're almost the steward of like you're responsible to actualize it and make it real because yeah like oh well it's yours so make it mm-hmm. work yeah oh yeah definitely and it's it's always those weird times where you're like you can't push the idea you know where it's like okay right. i need this but it won't come it's just yeah. right there yeah. And that's, that's an ongoing struggle. Um, and some days you connect better than other days. And, you know, there are times when, you know, maybe I've taken a break for a while and then I sit down to write and um, I may think it's going well. And then I go back to read it and it's like, this is not good. And like, you know, you are hard on yourself. You're like, oh, I think I lost it. Like, well, you know, that time came and went or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you get a lot of weird feelings, but I mean, every, every book you write, like the, the mighty Esox took me about a year. Um, and that year was clunky, man. Like I got that first draft done, went back and read it, hated all of it. Um, you know, walk away for a month, you know, change this, change that. And there's like these moments where you're like, oh, this could be such a big idea. And then there's moments where you're like, man, I just wasted an entire year kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and you fight through like all these, all these feelings and things. And then at the end, you know, you've kind of earned the finished product. Like, it's not a smooth, pretty ride. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, it takes a lot out of you. Like, it, it brings you up to this mountain and then, like, pulls you down to the bottom of the lake kind of thing. But mm. um, I think, you know, that comes through in the finished process is uh, the finished product. Like, if you have that whole thing, you know, that comes through eventually where, like, it really is an all-encompassing, you know, deep. And I think it makes the work connect better with people. Like, people can see themselves in the characters in the story because you know it is this yeah kind of bittersweet sort of journey throughout the story kind of thing oh yeah absolutely um now have you ever thought about having your books on audible having somebody else read them doing the audio thing you know something i'd like to do for sure um and you know that may even be something we can coordinate on because uh you know there's a lot of services who will do it and they make a lot of promises, making them sound like it's a it's a big mountain to climb that like, you know, we'll record it and we'll get some, you know, David Attenborough type English character, you know, <laughs> to read it. And it's going to be just like beautiful. And then we'll produce it and do all the edits. And there's no way you could do that yourself. And then we'll make sure it's available on Audible and Apple and all these places. But, um, you know, it's one of these things where it's it's pretty expensive with most of the companies currently offering it. But I think it's so valuable because like even for me, about half of the books I read are audiobooks because I find myself in the car. And that's when yeah. I have this time to actually listen to something. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that is the future in a big way. Um, but, you know, 
there's only a couple services right now who are really offering it and it's it's a bit of an investment for the author unless uh unless your publisher's paying for it that makes sense yeah now would you like to read your own or would you you know like morgan freeman to read it for you I would love to have Morgan Freeman. That's honestly, you know, when I hear recordings of myself, it makes me want to vomit. Like, <laughs> like just yep. whatever my voice sounds like uh, when I hear it back to me, I'm like, no, I can't even handle that. So I would much rather have like, a, you know, some Englishman or um, maybe like Idris Elba or like a, you know, Morgan Freeman would be a great choice. I mean, I don't, you know, it's very soothing, but. I think you can get a little intense, you know, with some of the some of the climactic scenes of the book. But yeah, I think I'd pay someone else to do it, and <laughs> that'd be cool, man. Um, well, if there's anything that we can do here at the pit, we'd love to help you out. Do what we can, because um, I have actually offered my studio as a recording studio for audiobooks, voiceovers, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. hopefully, somebody will hit me up, and you know, want to take advantage could, uh... of that. Well, we could definitely after this podcast talk about that because I do want to see, well, I guess hear them as an audio book. I mean, I want to make that real. And I actually think that would open up a whole market, particularly maybe like the the male audience who isn't, you know, necessarily making time during their day to like sit down and read. But, you know, Mm -hmm. if they're working, they can have something going in the background while they're driving. Um, I think that'd be a huge way to market the books. Just uh, haven't quite seen the path there. But I see all this wonderful recording equipment around you. And that's not even half of it. I've still got more over there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we could definitely work together. I think that'd be a good solution for both of our businesses, you know? Cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What do you say? um, You plug where everybody can find you on all the socials and then I'll hit the stop button. We'll jump back in and discuss a little business. Yeah. So I've got a, the main one is Amazon that I'm working with right now. Um, You can type G period Edward Martin. You'll see a full list of my books. I have my three novels. Um, the first one isn't really a novel as much as it's a collection of short stories. Um, and I have all the individual short stories up there for a dollar each. Thought is pretty reasonable. Um, each one kind of represents its own idea. So a little bit of philosophical insight, a little story. There's something for everyone in there. Uh, one of them's a comedy about an alcoholic who's forced to fight a dragon. Um, there's a science fiction story about astronauts who are followed by a ship on their way back to Earth and you know, some kind of alien ship and they're not sure whether they should lead it back to earth or go off in space and ensure their own deaths just in case it's a threat, moral decisions, choices, some contemporary stuff. Um, so all of the individual stories are available on Amazon as well as the full novels. I would just look for G Edward Martin. Uh, if you find one story, you'll be able to find them all as well as the author profile. Got an Instagram. That's also G Edward Martin, but, um, you know, Instagram's kind of a funny, they're, they're not as good as for marketing as they used to be. And um, you're welcome to connect with me on Facebook. I've also got a website, edwardmartinbooks.com, uh, email newsletter. And then anyone is welcome to email me at any time, edwardmartinbooks at gmail.com. Uh, love connecting with every reader. Love hearing other people's stories and ideas. So I certainly want to hear from you. Very cool, man. Well, um, hopefully this episode gets you get, get you some more viewers, some more readers, some more people reaching out. And um I've enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, you too, man. This was cool. We're uh, definitely, definitely open to do this again in a couple months or something. And um, we'll talk about that audiobook for sure. But yeah, this is cool. And I, uh, you know, I always enjoy talking about my stuff. I don't like bringing it up with friends and family because, you know, it's, it's not in good taste at Thanksgiving, but if someone's asking you to mm-hmm. talk about this kind of stuff, like I, I could go on and on about it all day. So 
Yeah. And you know, I'm the same way with the podcast, but I think this year for Thanksgiving, I'm just going to show up my little portable microphone and everything. And I'm just going to do a just show record. around the Thanksgiving table. Talk about just some record. Everyone's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, that'll go over well. And hey, if I do it right, I won't get invited next year and I won't have to deal with them. Then you won't have to make that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude, it's been great talking to you. Yeah. Um, like I said, we'll just jump back in the same link. Okay. We'll start our time over. So that's cool. Yeah. All right. I like it, man. All right. Cool. I'll, I'll see talk. you uh, on the other side here in a second. Cool, man. Thanks, buddy. Cool. Thanks, Wes. I go down before I fall. Knock me down.